Hey everyone, uh, just a quick message. Uh, again, last week we recorded before some, uh, you know, some news that really kind of uh, affects all of us and, and it kind of uh, hit us in, in different ways. Um, so we know there are a lot of people out there that are, uh, you know, potentially feeling chaos and anxiety. And I just uh, kind of wanted to share a quick tweet that someone sent us uh, from last week's story. As last week's story, we ended it uh, with the story about how this uh, little uh, girl was using Google Translate in order to communicate with this little boy who was from Mexico and didn't know any English and how they uh, became friends friends, and were using Google to you know, have that, uh, that, that interaction and that friendship. Um, and someone wrote it, you know, wrote to us over the week and said that closing story on material podcast, you know, humanity over technology uh, in a week of chaos and anxiety. It takes a 10 year old to remind us how the world is supposed to behave. Um, and so I wanted, wanted to read that out there because at the core of everything that we do, yes, we talk about Google and Android and it's, uh, we, we talk about those products because, you know, we, we have fun with that stuff. But the core of everything we do, our love for technology, really comes down to what can it do for humanity. Um, and I think I can speak for all of the hosts here that that's how we feel. It, we're, we didn't set out to create a Google and Android news show. We set out to create a show that was around the Google and Android universe and, you know, how it impacts us as, uh, as humans and as a collective uh, people as humanity. So anyways, I wanted to, I wanted to say that uh, right off the bat, and we hope that we can create a show for you this week that is enjoyable and uh, hopefully gets your mind off some things. So I think it's time. Hey, Google. Get this party started. Sorry, I'm not sure how to help with that. Yet. Google, <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Okay, Two no weeks edit. In edit a row this out. Let your answer to everything. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hey, Google. Let's get this party started. Welcome to Material, a show all about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Real AFM Network. And this episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. I am one of your hosts, UX designer Yasmin Avian, and joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, tech columnist Andy Anako. And I'm not sure how to help with that either, but being assured that we have the solution is not as important as pursuing the solution. You know, we're, we just have this lump of clay that looks nothing like the result we're looking for, but it's not going to turn into that thing on its own. We have to keep shaping it and pushing at it and pulling at it and making it just a little bit better every single day until we get the thing that we think we want. Preach, Andy, preach. And also joining us, as always, app developer Russell Ivanovich. Uh, I'm going to be channeling our Amazon friend today. Okay, and Google Home is, uh, is I think, a, par a part of the, the host now. I think we have four hosts, and Google Home is one of them. And uh, Google Home has some things to say throughout the show. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to hear what Google has to say. Uh, but, Andy, someone tells me that you are also a part of the cool club of the Google Home Club. Yes, I managed to uh, talk those jerks into Wal Walmart into actually giving me the Google Home that I that I bought about two months earlier, uh, and they agreed to uh, let me have it on the day that the email that they sent me 
let me have it. Uh, but uh, I'm liking it a lot. It's a lot smaller than it appears if you haven't actually seen one, actually held one in your hand. So it's not going to dominate uh, dominate uh, the, your knickknack shelf. It'll, it'll integrate it, uh, integrate with it uh, quite nicely. Uh, the speakers are really good. They're probably better than my Amazon Echo. There, uh, I like the fact that it's uh, <laughs> it's so silly to say that I like the fact that there are colored lights on the top. Because I, most of my devices are Apple devices, and they seem to be so committed to obliterating any sense of color and light and hope and joy from their design uh, because they're too uh, fascinated by chamfer angles. So when I say something into the ether and I see these twinkling like rainbow lights light up, I feel as though that's a very, very positive addition. And uh, it's, uh, there are some early disappointments Mostly in that things that I would have absolutely thought that there's no way that I, that it can't uh, it can't store a reminder in this 1.0 item, can it? But I say, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, Guillermo, uh, remind me tomorrow to pick up. I'm sorry, I don't know how to do that yet. I'm like, yeah, but 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 Alexa is is sitting like a foot away from you. Alexa, show Google Home how to set a reminder. <laughs> oh. I know I know I should I shouldn't be I, I shouldn't be like comparing Google Home to its older sibling, but you know, why can't you be more like Alexa? Uh, and also I've had to like turn off uh, I've okay Guillermo on my phone because this is another thing that really surprises me that I will say a command and because my phone is like happens to be on the armrest of my chair both of them will like sort of race to get the to get the phone so to speak and usually the phone is smart enough to say it'll actually put onto the display oh there's another device that's going to be handling that transaction but there are times where uh, something will dead end and then you'll hear from the from the living room the phone quietly say i can't do that yet until you why don't you uh, i need a device unlocked before i'll let you do that say but but google home can do that without why are you taking that instead of me i i would like to think that uh, they would know that if they if you've got a, a a google made piece of hardware phone running a google made operating system and there's also a google made piece of hardware running a google service uh, for voice commands I would like to think that they could sort of coexist very, very peacefully and lovingly instead of trying to demonstrate that they are they are the ones that are more important than the other. So obviously some sibling rivalry to start off with. I've actually had to turn off uh, – I actually turned off uh, uh, OK Guillermo on the phone just to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. But I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with it so far. Uh, and I've actually moved because of the, because the speaker is so much better, I've actually moved – it's into uh, the bedroom, so now that's the alarm clock, sort of, and, and uh, read me a story when I go to sleep, uh, sort of device. Yeah, that's uh, you know having it over a week now and kind of learning the quirks and all of that. Um, I use Hey Material to trigger the Google Home, so like that's how I get over the whole Okay Material and it triggers my phone and the Google Home. But in some instances, it will still trigger the phone just because I think Google Assistant will respond to Hey Material and I have the Pixel, so that's why it's doing it. And for me, it's not so much that. Uh, 
it usually always defaults to the Google Home, so I don't have to like mess with it. The issue is when I want it to do something that the phone can do that the Google Home can't. Oh, that irks me because the other day uh, I was uh, I was in the kitchen and I was doing some stuff and I was like texting my sister in law and I go, "Hey, material." you know, text or okay material, text my sister, uh, you know, what are you doing tonight? And then the phone quickly said, I've heard you on another device. I am letting them talk because I am so nice. And then the Google Home's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. And I'm like, dude, pass that information over to the phone because I don't want to say this twice. And you should have heard me. I was like arguing with the Google assistant and my husband's like in the garage just going, just unlock your phone and text the person. <laughs> <laughs> if it, it, I think that if a developer that wants to make a million bucks off of this hardware would create some sort of on-device app that will intercept a, I'm sorry, I don't know how to do that, and realize that, oh, this person also has an Amazon Echo, I will simply have the, the Google Home device say, Alexa, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so so at least something happens. Uh, maybe maybe that's the best way to like get audible content on Google Home for now without having to use uh, Chromecast because <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure how quickly uh Amazon is going to try to support a competing Google product for its uh, for its own uh content library. Well, there there is one plus side to this. Uh they haven't opened it up to developers completely yet, but it is uh it does work with if this then that. So that's actually how I was able to trigger all the responses. So it's actually really cool because one of the things that I was finding myself when I got home because I bought the hue lights, I was saying I got home and I was like, Hey material, turn on the lights. And then I realized, oh, they're set to like really dim pink and blue colors because that's the color they were last night. Okay. Then I have to say, hey, material, you know, turn them to bright white. And then it goes, fine, it turns them to white. And then I have to go, hey, material, one more time, brighten up the lights. And so it was just like a pain. It took like three steps. And being a UX designer, you know, I have to be the one that goes, hmm, how can I simplify this? And I found out it works with if this and that. So shout out to the people that told me that. And now I can say, hey, material, I'm home. And I have it activate a scene that automatically turns the lights what I wanted them to be when I get home. So um, yes, you can go and program the Google Assistant so it will work with your phone if you have uh, the Google Assistant on your phone. So that's pretty cool. So go check that out. Uh, I want to also give a shout out to all the listeners that wrote back to me and said, hey, Yasmin, there is a there is an option within the Google Home app that allows you to turn on a noise uh, from Google Home. So by default, there is no noise when you say, hey, material, and then it activates. But there is, uh, within like devices, there's a setting, I think it's under accessibility. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to write in the show notes, so send a picture of where it is, and you can actually turn it on so that you can have a response before or after the activation word. So that's really cool, and I'm excited. Uh, you know, oh, my, oh my gosh, you too. I'm having all exactly the same problems with the Google Home that I totally have. I got five, six, seven of them in my house all talking to each other. Um, okay, I'm sad. They're, they're not available in Australia. <laughs> I believe they're not even available oh. in Canada. So here's what I want to know from our listeners, and this is me. It's not lazy internet. I guess this is lazy podcasting. If you've accidentally imported one from the US and you don't live in the US, I would love to know if there's any sort of regional issues or if you just plugged it in and it worked, it would be, yeah, it'd be good good research, you know, in case I accidentally find myself, you know, tripping over one that, that came from the US. You know, if someone accidentally, you know, one. <laughs> Accidents I mean, happen. We want to know if it works. Accidents yeah, it would, happen. It would be good to know if it works because I couldn't find a lot of information about that on the internet. So I'm, I'm trusting our listeners will, will help me out. 
maybe maybe that's a new opportunity to enforce like region lock. They'll make sure that from the factory, the trigger word is always "Okay, Google Aluminum." So that if you say it wrong, say, oh, it's not alu- aluminium, it's Google Aluminum. I heard you say color I with a U. I think I'm just going to lock you down for 30 days. And everyone knows there's no color with a U here in America. That Read is one thing. your Eula. That is one thing. I mean, you, yeah, yeah. I wish you could change the trigger, the activation word with if this and that. I got to I got to brainstorm some some things. I was uh yeah, I was I was busy setting setting this up at night when I found out you can use uh, if this and that and then I was like changing the lights in my daughter's room and she was trying to sleep. <laughs> and she's like, "Mom, the lights are going off." And I'm like, "Just 2 seconds, please." <laughs> so, I'm sorry, family. Thank you for uh, you know, continuing to put up with me. Um, Russell, I I think we have some some cool news that you want to share, but first, a message. Yes, from your from family, Yasmin. They're sick and tired of you turning the lights on and off every night just so you can test things for this podcast. <laughs> and that's why they're sponsoring the show to tell <laughs> this you. This show so brought to you by Yasmin's family who will pay to get Yasmin to stop turning the lights on and off. Now, this week uh, we have a returning sponsor, one of our favorite sponsors, in fact. It is Linode, and they are a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world, which makes them a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. Um, we've told you this before, but you can get a server up and running in under a minute, you know, with plans starting at just $10 a month. And now you get two gigabytes of RAM, you know, on that really, really basic plan. And you'll be able to choose your resources, which Linux distro, where in the world you want this uh, node located. And we do this at Shifty Jelly all the time. So a lot of our backend runs on the Linode infrastructure. And you just go into the admin area, you press a few buttons. It's a little bit scary, actually, how quickly you can get a server up and running like i think the last count we were up to 18 servers so i think we may have clicked that button one too many times but it is it is super easy and super awesome and linode has 400 other 400,000 other customers just like us and they're all serviced by their friendly 24 7 support team obviously you know open over the holidays whatever you need them you just file a ticket and they get back to you and it's basically yeah like a full package of you know your servers just packaged up nicely by a company that runs them in a data center so you don't have to worry about all the hardware um, bits, you just focus on, on making the software that goes in there. So if you're a listener of this show and you sign up at linode.com slash material, L-I-N-O-D-E, uh, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll get $20 towards your first plan. So if you haven't done this, I really encourage you to, to go try it. You know, support our show and support our sponsor as well. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so literally nothing to lose. Uh, again, go to linode.com slash material to learn more and sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the offer code material20 at checkout. We want to thank Linode so much for supporting this show and all of Real FM. Now, now Russell, a little koala gave me, gave me a little secret that uh, Google wants to share to the world. Hey, Google, it's Russell's birthday. It's your party and you can cry if you want to. I would cry too if I didn't have Google Home, but at least you can daydream. <laughs> Actually, oh. can I, can I, that, that reminds me of something that was really, really cool. Like we're 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 not gonna we're not gonna mention reasons why some Americans might be upset this week, but I, I happen to I happen to pick it up the day uh, I happen to pick it up on Thursday, say, and so half seriously after I had it set up and I'm like lying on the sofa and just like have I got my computer and I'm also just occasionally firing stuff at uh, Google Home and I said okay Guillermo cheer me up and said okay we can play a game we can play Mad Libs we can play Tic-Tac-Toe or we can play Knock Knock Joke and I'm like oh let's tell me a Knock Knock Joke okay Knock Knock it was like oh 
I, I was very impressed. I was like, "Cheer me up!" Was okay. This is we don't want to we don't want to give someone an error message when they are feeling sad. <laughs> we want to make sure we We're have sorry, something we ready can't to help go. You with that. <laughs> Here's one you, you need to try. Hey Google, you're my best friend. This is cause for celebration. Let's dance. And there's a there's a few other ones. If you tell it you love it, and I, you know if you're like I love you, it has some it has really cute responses. So I would say they did good on those parts. But just uh, help me help me set up some reminders. Help me text some people. You know, integrate, do some stuff that Google Search can't already do. Uh, but you know, while we're living in reality, you've been daydreaming, Russell. I have been daydreaming. daydreaming. Oh, I'm daydreaming right now, Yasmin, on live on the podcast where nobody <laughs> live can see on me on the podcast. So I, can... I felt so left out by all this Google Home, Google Home. It's in America. America's the greatest country on the freaking planet. So, <laughs> so I went down to uh, one of my favorite stores. They're not a sponsor or anything, but JB Hi-Fi here in Australia, one of the weirdest electrical retailers that you will ever go into. Um, anyone who lives in Australia knows ex- exactly what I'm talking about. I, I don't think I could even uh, attempt to explain it on this podcast, but they did have the Daydream in stock. The, the only color you get to choose from in Australia is... I don't know what you call this. Uh, maybe Converse Shoe Grey would be the the closest <laughs> description of this color that I could give. It did happen to match with the shirt. Lint was... Trap. They should call it Lint Trap. <laughs> Lint Trap Grey. I like that. Um, and I have, I don't know if listeners know, but I have a bit of an obsession with VR. There's a HTC Vive sitting right next to me. There's a Gear VR about a meter that way. There's the cardboard uh, somewhere under under this, this table that I'm sitting at. And now it's joined by the Daydream VR. And I will say... The first out-of-the-box experience is really cool. You know, you, you unpack it. Um, it's it's fairly simple. Like the design of it is kind of really nice. There's this really sort of pad a bit at the top. And so the idea is um, obviously the strap goes around the, the back of your head and this top sort of big fat cushion thing is meant to sit against your forehead and it's it's reasonably comfortable. So obviously Google Cardboard, there's no real comfort level. You, you hold it on your face with two hands and you kind of look around and... And that's it. This thing's obviously designed to be hands-free. So the strap goes around your head and then it's on there. And it's actually reasonably comfortable. The only thing I've noticed, and I've, I've seen a lot of other people comment on this as well, is that you end up putting it far further up your forehead than, than feels natural. So when you first put it on, everything's blurry. You're like, man, they didn't do a good job of this. It's just like everything's out of focus and blurry. And then you realize if you just move it up, you're like, oh, now everything's in focus. And I suppose that's an intentional thing. Maybe the top part of your head is more... I don't know, less less pain, more tolerance for pain or something. I don't really know. But <laughs> once you've adjusted it and you've like, oh, this sits about like, you know, a few centimeters higher than I'd expect, um, you get out this controller thing and then they walk you through this tutorial. So they're like, hey, this is what the, the home button does. This is what this button does. This is a trackpad to recenter yourself at any time you hold the, the button down. So I guess to give people like set expectations, this is a seated or standing experience. It's not a design for you to walk around and, you know, have your character move around in VR. It's very much... You know, plant yourself down. And it's very much that whatever's happening is happening in front of you. And the weird part is it has this controller which it can track sort of like the, the Wiimote for anyone that's ever used like the Nintendo Wii. And just like the, the Wiimote, it can occasionally like lose track of where it is because obviously there's no, <laughs> there's no video cameras in the headset. There's no other things you have to set up in your room. It's all completely wireless. Um, so occasionally this thing will be pointed somewhere like, you're like that's not where it's pointed. And they have... Uh, this thing where if you hold down the home button for a few seconds, it'll just recenter itself. So the 
just to quickly sort of wrap up, the way it works is your phone goes in the front. This controller auto pairs with your phone through some kind of Google magic. It didn't even ask me if I wanted to pair it. And as soon as your phone touches the daydream, there's some kind of NFC, you know, transfer that happens there as well. And so as if by magic, once you've done those three things, it's all paired together and, and you're away, to, away you go. And the, the other thing I found weird about this controller is your first instinct, and maybe it's just because I've used the wire, is to wave it around in the air and try and see if it's there. But it's actually designed to kind of sit almost at waist level and you kind of use it like a pointer. So, you know, you've got a, you've got a laser pointer in VR. Hmm. You're like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> 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 I, I did try out some of the initial experiences. So there's a there's a game on there where you can play a whole bunch of mini games. You can play like mini golf. You can... Um, you can. There's this weird one where you tilt, you tilt a board to race like a rolling cow around. This is the best way I can describe VR games on, on an audio-only podcast. There's a whole bunch of other little experiences. There's some weird Harry Potter thing where uh, you wave the wand around, and I was just not dexterous enough to make any of the Harry Potter symbols in the air, <laughs> so I failed miserably at that one. But yeah, so there's there's a few built-in experiences. It's the other thing you'll notice is very early days, so. Only the developers that they partnered with are kind of on the platform. There's a few other things I've heard that are either coming out now or about to come out. So for me, the really interesting part is can Google get a whole bunch more developers on board? Because at the moment you play with it for an hour or two and you're like, I've done everything now. What what do I do now? But it's so fashionable. You know, you can just carry it around (laughs) with you and uh, no one one knows what it is. Just carpet that you're carrying. Why is it carpet Uh, on your face? (laughs) Carpet on your face. I... I I ordered mine because I got my I finally got my like promo code and I'm excited to try it out. Uh, I'm curious, have your kids played with it? Uh no, they they saw it and they're like, oh cool, we'd like to play with it. And then I forgot to actually give it to them. But <laughs> we, I have stuck it on a few different people's faces just to to see how they'd react. And the number one thing that people seem to try and do is wave the controller around in the air as if they expect to to magically find it or something. So I thought I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I, I wonder how many people Google has tested this on and whether you have to give them some kind of intro first, but Overall, it works pretty well. I'd say it's the same sort of visual quality as the Samsung Gear VR. Maybe slightly better head tracking. Like, I don't know if it's a placebo or what, but it does feel like it's actually tracking my movements faster than the the Mm. Gear VR was. And the screen seems to keep up. I mean, it's a little bit fuzzy. You can kind of see the pixels if you look directly at the screen. But, yeah, for the most part, it's it's a decent sort of product. I just wonder, is this going to get developer adoption? Like, I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, because without the content, it's really nothing. Uh, Google was making a big deal about how at launch time, New York Times is going to have VR content and the Wall Street Journal is going to have VR content. So it doesn't if the content is there, given that this is not a really expensive thing and there is a certain kind of coolness factor. Uh, OK, I know we've all seen pictures of it. Maybe it's not very cool, at least not to those who are watching you wear it. But still. It could be pretty OK. I, I did want to ask, does it how, how long have you worn it? continuously uh number one and number two did it leave weird marks on your head <laughs> i think the longest i've worn it so far is about 45 minutes and it was hilarious because uh, this was at home so i got home the day i bought it and i stuck it on my face and my wife is just killing herself laughing at me like playing basically mini putt golf on like a golf course that doesn't <laughs> exist with just this thing on her face <laughs> i'm sure she snapped some photos as well but after about 45 minutes i wouldn't say it's uncomfortable like i've worn the htc vive i've worn the gear vr both of those feel like they're a little bit too tight on your face or they're too front heavy or something this doesn't sort of have that sensation but you do end up 
I don't know if it's the material or water, if it's warm here in Australia, you do end up quite sweaty, Andy. So Yeah, this, the thing, it, look, like it's, it looks like it's made out of thick felt, and yeah. of course it's not. You, you got the phone while it's doing all that CPU-intensive stuff, it's generating heat. So Oh, the Pixel, I tell you what, is gets really, really, really hot. It, I can't explain mm. this, but it doesn't seem to drain the battery that fast. I played it for 45 minutes, I maybe lost like 5% battery or something. So that was weird, but the phone was toasty, toasty, toasty hot. Like you could almost like have, you know cook some marshmallows or something on the back of it but yeah the the material that it's made out of and the way it kind of hugs your face it it does get sweaty after sort of 30 minutes or so so you take it off and your entire forehead's just covered in sweat and being sort of like soft material the thing actually soaks in sweat as well i mean it's washable Ah. this bit so i will show you this this front bit just like detaches straight off so you could actually throw that in the the washing machine which is cool but at the same time it is odd to have vr sweat you don't really want to so share this many, with other people so how many people have, <laughs> have you put that on <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm so glad i'm getting my own that see that's the thing though like uh my, we're getting you know we're going to get the daydream but it's only going to be able to work with my pixel and that's the phone i yeah. use like as a daily as my daily device so I'm sorry, daughter. I don't know how long I'm going to let you play with it because I need my phone. The one thing I noticed with the Pixel, like uh, taking 4K video tends to kill my battery pretty pretty quick. So I'm surprised that it doesn't kill the, the battery on the Daydream so much. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of having your phone in there, you do get notifications in VR. So if someone mm. sends you like a hangout or you get a phone call, uh, you get a little notification thing come up. The weird part is with the phone call, I'm like, am I going to be able to take this call? Because it's a floating little box <laughs> and you can point at it with your remote. But you can't, at the moment, you can't take calls in VR like that. Oh, oh yeah, I know. That would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been, been kind of cool. cool. Also weird, but yeah, very cool. T- but- take the call while you're playing the game still. <laughs> I believe there's an LG phone about to launch or just has launched that also supports Daydream and obviously the specs out there. But yeah, if you don't have a Pixel, then you're kind of out of luck, aren't you? And if it's your only Pixel and your family wants to play for like half an hour, I don't know what you do in that case. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll expand. Um, there is also another bit of hardware news that, or not news, but it's a, they, there was a tablet that was launched that I was actually pretty excited. It was probably one of the first Android tablets that really got me excited, uh, because tablets don't really, I, I got one on my, on, on my wrist, you know, because I have the Asus Zen watch. That's a joke. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> I was, that's, that's my job to make the jokes, Hesme. It's your joke. Also, is on there See, up to I like version joke, three you and you're still wearing on version on one tablet. You're like, it's You know what? I am holding <laughs> off for that darn. Google Assistant Watch that's supposed to be coming <laughs> next year. Um, but Andy, you actually have the Lenovo Yoga Book, and I am super, super excited to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, mostly, ex- the thing that I'm most excited about is the note taking capabilities. So, enlighten yeah, us. Um, uh, I was really, really hyped about this. Um, uh, Lenovo reached out to me and they asked me which one I wanted. And of course, I asked for the Android Both version. Both of them. Uh, yes, of course. We mustn't get grabby. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I think, sorry. Also, also, I think that I think that they'll probably like be really, really. If they if they know I have two of them, they're going to be really, really on the ball about getting them back quickly, as opposed to oh, well, he only has one of them. Eh, okay, within a week, within a year, make sure he gets it back. Uh, but yeah, it's I, it's super, super appealing because it's uh, in physical form. Uh, when it's closed up, it is about as big as an iPad. It's a, physically, it's smaller than an iPad, but it's not necessarily thick. It really does feel like you're just uh, you're you're using a normal size tablet. 
And because it has that really good sort of like a watchmaker's watch band sort of hinge to it, and the casing is all metal, it really feels solid. It looks, it feels like you're you're, you're carrying something that's well made, durable. They'll take some abuse, and then you open it up, and it's like you're in Willy Wonka's chocolate room or something, because this is something that you've never really seen or used before. Uh, and if that's freaking you out, you can. It has the best advantage of a convertible of a, of a yoga style book which is that the screen goes all the way around 360 degrees. Uh, and I've been using that feature a lot, not only to uh, just turn it inside out so that it really does look just like uh, a regular tablet without any sort of visible keyboard, but so many times where uh, you just need a way to stand up this device. Uh, I'm, of course, I'm, I've got, I'm traveling, and so I've got my iPad Pro with me. And of course, I have to travel with this stand because this has no easel. But if you decide that you want to stand this up on the counter while you're watching movies, you can just fold it. <laughs> you can just basically turn it into sort of like a little wedge and just stand it up on its edges, and it works absolutely brilliantly. Uh, and then, of course, the other half of this book is just a sheet of undifferentiated glass that can be one of two different things depending on what, what mood you're in. Uh, if uh, most people will use it sort of in uh, in tablet sort of mode uh, because once you unfold it uh, and put your hands on it, this light this keyboard lights up. Uh, it just tur- it just turns into these, these the the back. It's not a, a, a mechanical keyboard. It's just a touch keyboard, but it's all like etched and backlit, and the, you don't see any of the keys until you actually activate it. And uh, this is sort of a. Uh, embarrassing thing for me to say on a day when I was also doing a Mac podcast and complaining about the really pathetic key travel on the new MacBooks, but it is actually <laughs> given given that you're actually getting something in return for the super super slim keyboard, you can actually get used to the fact that you're just tapping your fingertips on glass and you know there's no response whatsoever. But I mean if you t- if you've typed on uh, on a uh, on a touch keyboard. Uh, that's on a tablet. You can type on this. I find that I certainly wouldn't want to have to write like a, a 800 word column on this. But for emails, it should be fine. For doing edits, it might be fine. Uh, if I were found found myself, I left the house with just this, and there's a breaking news thing, and I do have to write something. It's certainly better than nothing. Uh, but it, it, realize that it's super super slim. It doesn't cost you really anything in terms of thickness or weight, and it also gives you the second. Uh, mode the second advantage in that it is a writing surface so if you tap a little back illuminated button uh, that's at the corner of that keyboard piece of glass then you can now use it in a pen mode it comes with this uh, combination stylus ballpoint pen and and it's a refillable ballpoint pen so that you can just put any sheets of paper over it and then you can just simply take notes during a meeting, and those notes will be mirrored on the screen uh, right next to you if you're if you're uh, laying it flat on the on the on the uh, on your desk, or if you don't want to be distracted at all, you can still fold it over 360 degrees and just use it as sort of a writing pad, so to speak. Only everything that you write is also being captured digitally, so you can use it uh, use it elsewhere. Uh, it does come with a freak sized <laughs> pad of writing paper that uh, so that it will all look like it's all together and designed to work with each other uh, you have to admit that this isn't uh, it's not like the size of a standard eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper or five by seven card so if you're using your own paper you might find yourself 
looking for like a steno pad that is about the right size, but you don't have to use special encoded paper or special magnetic ink or anything like that. It really is uh, a regular pen and it'll work just fine. Or uh, if you don't want to, if you just want to use it as a graphical tablet, you can have Photoshop or whatever, some sort of a pressure sensitive art uh, app uh, in Android operating on the screen while you're simply using this uh, using the stylus that has uh, about uh, 2048 I think levels of pressure it also has 100 points of angle detection so it's not just simple you know your $8 Amazon special <laughs> nubby little stylus thing it really is a, a professional grade stylus and of course you can also draw straight on the screen so it tries to be a lot of things at the same time and uh, at, it, this isn't a case where you can say that they've done any of these extra features in a half-butted way. Uh, They've done it about as well as they can without compromising any of the other features and the features they've put in, like that touch keyboard and uh, and the pen input. It is a nice bonus to have, especially given that this isn't hysterically more expensive than uh, than a conventional tablet you're also getting some extra stuff extra features that you'd have to carry accessories for otherwise and uh, it is really a premium built thing it's about five hundred dollars i think 499 for the android edition uh, but and that's not uh, I, I don't think that's out of line for how well built this thing is and it really did get me <laughs> it really did get me thinking about I, I have $500. I'm, I'm going to make another $500 really quickly. I can I can own one of these if I want to uh, before cooler heads kind of prevailed and realized, how many, okay, Andy, how many laptops and, <laughs> and, and tablets do you Andy, really do think you, you really need? need this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's really nice. And and the other thing to say about it is that it really works well. It's not, it's a, it's a nice showcase for uh, at least to Android Marshmallow. It ships with Marshmallow. Uh, a, a Nougat update is promised in the near future. Uh, but it really does once again show off that you, you don't ha- you don't have to put a special skin on it. You don't have to add any extra software to it. Just the regular Android 6.0 when it's on a phone, it looks like it was designed for a phone and fingertips. When you put it on a tablet, it looks like it was designed for a large tablet. But when there's a keyboard and a trackpad, I'm sorry, there's also a touch trackpad underneath the uh, underneath the keyboard area. It looks, it feels like you know the mouse pointer sort of appears, and it really feels like it was designed. Especially for a keyboard and a trackpad and a regular uh, notepad format. So I'm really, really impressed with the folks at Google for how they designed that. Now, um, how is the note taking? Because I see I am a like note taker, like actually like writing on on paper uh, pretty often, and I never find the time to translate or transfer those notes back onto some form of digital format. And I've tried many things like I've tried they had an Evernote one where you could like scan the pages and then it would, you know, supposed to convert that into into legible text. But here's the deal. My handwriting is terrible. So stuff like that just never works for me. Hmm. Uh, But I'm really just curious on how the note taking capabilities were and if it was able to kind of read your handwriting pretty well and how that whole thing felt. It's uh, it's hard to say. Um, I don't for me. If I were buying this, that wouldn't be my primary reason for buying it, because um, I do think that taking analog style notes is really the only way you can keep up when you don't know what order information is going to come in. You just so many times now when I'm when I'm uh, uh, either live at a at a 
press event. Like if I was, was at the Microsoft event, I had my my iPad in my lap, and that's the best way for me to take notes because you have to suddenly recircle something, and suddenly he re-mentioned a piece of data you missed earlier, so you have to put that in there. Um, it's uh, the size makes makes it I think a little bit clumsy because I personally like to have a little bit extra area to write on. I think its real strength is in just simply recording strokes and recording electronic ink. It's not so much a uh, handwriting to text sort of thing. I think they, I think when they, uh, when they themselves demonstrate it, when they themselves explain it, they're really not talking about you. What you write becomes uh, regular keyworded text. I think they're basically saying just take notes in whatever way you want, and we will make sure that it gets recorded and it gets uh, it gets stashed away somewhere. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I so okay. So, would you buy this? Buy or no buy? Ooh, like I, it, well, it's uh, I, I love the. I would. I think that it's for people who think that who can see a uh, room for this sort of device in their lives. Meaning that, uh, meaning that they want something that's not quite a laptop, but they know that they're not going to be served well by just a plain old tablet. Uh, what it purports to do, it does really, really well. It's a very satisfying object, and it's well made. The only thing that's a little bit weird is they have made a uh, – because – they don't have uh, multi-windowing in Marshmallow. They have kind of rolled their own solution by which uh, uh, the whatever app you're running, it can either express itself in a full screen, hey, I'm, cooked, I'm hooked up to a keyboard in a monitor way, which is built in, or it can sort of bamboozle the app into saying, oh, by the way, you're running on a phone, so definitely give me that that vertical, that 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 tall, taller than wider sort of thing, and it will basically create like a floating window of like the phone version of that app. Um, and it works well, but it seems like every, every time I've used a system, whether it's on Windows or iOS, where it decides to to create tiles so that there, I don't have to worry about these things are overlapping each other. I don't have to move it so that it's anchored towards the left side of the screen, so that I can still have like my main uh, my main view window. Uh, that's always been the, the way to go. So I think it's a little bit clumsy. Uh, they ha- but again, they promise that uh, when they come up with the NuGet update, it's gonna uh, support just the standard uh, Android tiling methods so uh, that should be something you don't have to deal with for very long i think they're saying something sometime in january or february although they haven't promised a date yet that sounds awesome yeah sounds really cool andy i've been i've been wondering about this ever since i saw it i think it was at a tech conference or something they first announced it i'm like that looks cool it's the the kind of thing you expect from like an apple or a microsoft or someone you're like yeah go go lenovo part of what really intrigued me is that I, I try and I, I I'll get myself I get myself into so much trouble when I my excitement gets beyond the things I'm actually seeing in front of me. But my goodness, if all if all they did on the keyboard side of it for the next edition was figure out just a way to get an e-ink version of a screen, any sort of a screen inside there, because uh, I'm 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 in bed and I'm reading in bed and I'm just using the Kindle app and just the idea of having this book like thing with a spine on it that I'm opening it doesn't even matter that i'm only seeing the left page and of course the right page is just blank it's such a natural way of dealing with stuff and the idea of being able to have let's say two apps open each one containing an entire window my good and having essentially like a 12.9 inch ipad pro but being able to carry it in a small bag and not having to have this big laptop bag to carry it around in i mean uh, and if they could by any means 
find a way to put these uh, an actual full HD screen, just make them two mirrored screens, my goodness, that would be so hard for me to turn down. I'm sure that the big problem with that, though, is battery consumption because this thing is so thin. There's just no room for electrons to begin with. And if you're going to s- suddenly double the uh, the current draw from screens, I don't know if that's a solvable problem. Uh, two things. One, you mentioned battery consumption. Is it, the battery pretty lasts pretty good? or Very good. Uh, it's about on par with pretty much any other uh, tablet of that size that I've used. So uh, colloquially, I don't really think about keeping it charged or how much space, how much uh, battery life I have to save for the rest of the day. Um, I think in a precise way, I've been getting about nine hours uh, it's hard because I haven't I haven't done like the standardized test yet. It's been right, essentially right. let's use it and keep it keep, uh, keep a tab of what's going on. And la- last question: Does it have a headphone jack? <laughs> it has a headphone jack. It has a headphone jack. It also has an HDMI uh, mini HDMI. Uh, so you could oh use goodness. it to, uh, to to drive it an external display. Yeah. This thing this thing seems awesome. I yes. Uh, it's I want it. I want it. I, I, I said it. I have one last question, Andy. Can you talk to your contacts at Microsoft and get yourself a Surface Book? Because I would, I know this is an Android show, but I would love like a review of that thing. Mm, I've, I've had I've had the Surface Pro for a while. Uh, I don't have the Surface Book because I didn't. I, <laughs> that oh, sorry, wasn't not my, the Surface my, Book. My I meant the Surface interest. Desktop thing. Oh, my Surface bad. Studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's. <sighs> That they, I, I, I have. I am willing it's to start cool. a window show to get <laughs> just one so we can get that. Part. <laughs> yeah, I, I've spent I spent only twenty minutes with it, but it's like I could find a use for this, particularly because the way that my office is set up, I've got like one desk in front of me that has like the computer and the the keyboards and the screen, but then like uh, uh, perpendicular to that. Uh, I have another table that's more of a work table that has an actual like 28 inch drafting table top on it so that I can like my, when I'm doing like electronic stuff or art stuff. And it's, it's like I am literally occasionally like printing out manuscript pages and putting them on my drafting table and standing up while I'm turning pages and making markups. This is exactly what I want. It's so cool. It's so freaking cool. And just, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty damn cool. If it, if it ran Android, of course, it would be perfect. Hey, look at me. I just saved the topic by actually bringing it around to Android. But yeah, this is this. I will I will use the same phrase you used just a minute ago. That this is the sort of thing that I keep hoping that Apple will do. Just like really make me happy that I wouldn't have thought of that, but now that I'm using it, I want it because I think it's really really cool. But okay, thank you for taking three millimeters off the thickness of the Pro <laughs> Notebook. That's I'm, I'm I'm sure you worked hard on that too. And thirty percent of my battery, but let's let's not go there. <laughs> oh, too soon. Sorry. Too soon, Russell. Um, now there's a uh, I'll, I'll I'll make this quick because I've been blathering blathering blathering. Uh, but uh, it, it is an important and timely story. Uh, Google is taking some heat uh, for a. Uh, really freakish bit of uh, of of surgery uh where if uh, of course they try to anticipate the topics that people are going to search for and give them actual good tools for breaking down information so if you were so last week if you were to do a google search for uh the phrase final election result or who won the popular vote it would uh, return the official count 
of Hillary six, at the time by made this note 61 million uh, versus uh, Trump's 60.4 million. It, it's, uh, that gap has widened a little bit since then. Uh, and But it also breaks it down state by state. What's the electoral count versus the popular count? Uh, and it's actually set apart in this little box. So you know that this is something that the AI has figured out, has uh, digested for you and trying to make sure you understand uh, the answers that are being given. However, oddly enough, if you search for the phrase final election count, the top hit and the headline <laughs> from this would be from a WordPress blog that nobody has ever heard of uh, called 70 News. And we're not talking about a blog with a certain journalistic bias. We're talking about like a propaganda type blog where it was just, hey, look, everybody, how uh, don't let the regular media lie to you and contrails and uh, all that sort of stuff. Basically saying that uh, here, here's a, the uh, that uh, Donald Trump wins the wins, but the popular count and is the popular elected candidate. Uh, and that's the headline you see as, as number one search results if you use final election count. Uh, and uh, this came, this blew up uh, over the weekend. I checked again uh, Monday morning when I was uh, putting together the show doc, and it was still there. Now it's been fixed. And actually, uh, even then, the, f- the the first result was the 70 News headline. The next two results were a piece on Snopes.com and a Mediaite piece about, <laughs> what the hell, Google? <laughs> that's not true. Why are you letting these guys do it? Um, and of course, they had to. They had to. Uh, Google had to, had to talk about this. Uh, it was uh, so. This uh, WordPress press blog said that Trump had won the popular vote by almost seven seven hundred thousand votes. And this blogger, who probably did not expect to get any attention whatsoever, unless he was intentionally gaming the system, would <laughs> say, "Oh, I got that from this dude on Twitter." Do you remember which dude? <laughs> some dude. <laughs> and so he basically did some math and just had nothing to do. So now there's a lot of uh, discussion about are people gaming the system to make sure that when people look to Google for information, uh, if they're not getting curated information, they're getting gamed search results to sort of mislead people. Uh, and so Google has said – obviously, uh, Google has always kept their search algorithm top secret. Uh, it's also famous for being untouched by human hands. They want it to run by itself so that there can be no human bias, at least within Google. Uh, and so they said that they're looking into it. And, of course, recently they must have done something to make sure that they know that this is – the algorithm knows that you shouldn't probably do that anymore. Um, and and uh, this has become a, a much bigger issue. It's not. It really isn't about uh, who won uh, who won the election via what uh, what vote tally, electoral versus popular. It really is that uh, the definition of journalism has kind of spread and sort of seeped out a little bit because now people can sort of do what they feel is their own investigation, trying to get the facts. And by far, the tool they use to do that investigating is Google. And so if you want to influence how people think and what you think people's reality is on any issue whatsoever, it is your, your, your first call is now no longer to uh, scientists that you can basically say, we will give you $2.8 billion in grant money if you would take a look at our new sugar salt candy roll and tell us how healthy it is for kids. Now you can just pay somebody half that much money to, hi, make this blog post and put enough Google search foo into it that it will always bubble to the top and always say really nice things about our business. Uh, Facebook, for instance, over the during the election caught some heat from this because um, uh, a lot of people on one side were claiming that their news stories were not being promoted or not being found by uh, Facebook's news algorithms. And Facebook had to kind of say that, well, it's because our algorithms – 
trust some sources but don't necessarily trust others. And even though there are really good reasons for that, there was a perceived bias against one side, uh, which apparently, according to more news that has nothing to do with Google, has led to people, uh, engineers inside Facebook being told, yeah, we don't, we, we can't really care that much if a news source is fake or not because we don't want to be seen as we're trying to manipulate people's opinions. Uh, but the the wheel is starting to turn a little bit. Uh, Google is, uh, has said that it's, it's kind of on this. It's, it realizes the its responsibility. They've also... Uh, 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 yesterday announced that they are cutting off uh, fake news sites uh, from their ad network. So if there's a ad ne- if there's a news site that is uh, not uh, living up to uh, what their what the Google AI can demonstrate is uh, unbi- not necessarily unbiased, but uh, if they have a bias, they're at least giving facts that support the opinions they make. You can, I mean, obviously it'll still turn up in search results, but you can't, you can't be attached to the enormous revenue stream you'll get from Google Ads. So hopefully that will start to cut off uh, that particular skin tag by, uh, by, by depriving it of uh, blood and oxygen. Now, I remember when I was in school, uh, we couldn't use uh, Wikipedia as a quote in our research papers. I'm wondering if now they're having to say in school, no, you cannot use a Facebook uh, story that your <laughs> aunt or uncle wrote as a new source quote. Uh, Just because it's the top result it's... in Google doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Does not mean yeah. it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's fascinating how we get our news today, right? Because before, you know, at one point it was uh, the newspaper, radio, television, and now it's a lot of it's on the internet. We're, like, regardless of what tech companies want to think, there is that is how people are communicating, and that is how people are finding out a lot of this stuff. And this is how they're they're uh, building, you know, their own assumptions. And of course, if you are only hanging out with the people that think like you, you're going to keep on hearing the same stuff, and you're automatically going to believe that it is true, um, right? You can create this kind of circle that you can lock yourself in, which is um, yeah. which isn't which isn't good for and, any, and, for any and, camp. And one of the problems is that the, the Google search algorithm, it thinks it's helping you because it knows if – I, if I were to search for Red Sox, it knows that, okay, he's from Boston. Also, he's a baseball fan. I bet he doesn't mean red woolen socks. I bet he he's interested in the Boston Red Sox baseball team. And it learns – it gets it knows that because it knows me. So if I were to look for uh, uh, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr murders uh, Alexander Hamilton. I'm not looking for a f- maybe that I'm the sort of person. I'm just a huge, huge Alan, uh, Aaron Burr fan. I'm not looking for like an unbiased account of what happened on that dueling field. He says, well, he does a lot of searching around Aaron Burr fan sites. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look specifically through answer this question on Aaron Burr fan sites. And so I've basically, without even knowing it, I've built this wall around myself where the search algorithm is trying to give me answers that I like based on the sites that I like to visit, where it really does need to just shake up that magic eight ball and send you someplace you have never been before and never would think about going before, or else you will wind yourself, wind, wind up screwing, up screwing yourself up by not letting you see things that you wouldn't understand. Yeah, and I don't know if, if you two remember, but this was a huge controversy when personalized search came in. I feel like this was seven or eight years ago maybe when people first started noticing, hey, if I'm logged into my Gmail account and I do a search and someone else sitting next to me does the same search, we get slightly different results. And back then it was just, you know, a few sites were different and people were like, what does this mean for society? And the big fear back then was what if, like, Google learned so much about you that exactly what Andy's saying, you end up with information that's so personalised that you end up in your own little, 
little bubble type thing. And this was always the thing about the internet. You know, the internet was meant to open you up to other views and you could find out how people in Iran felt about something and how, you know, people in India felt about something else. And what do people actually inside like China think about this? And that was the dream of the internet, you know, connect you to everyone in the world and all sorts of diverse information. And it is a little bit scary to think that if your search becomes so customised that the only things you see are things that you care about, that's fine in a tech sense. You know, I'm an iOS developer, uh, do some Java development as well. When I search for Swift, I don't want to see Taylor Swift. I think that's really good, like, <laughs> optimization. Not because I have anything against Taylor Swift, but because I'm looking for, <laughs> for help in coding. Like, I think that's a really cool thing that Google does. But when I search for world news, if Google knows that I have some kind of bias for world news, I think it's a little bit scary that it, it's like, oh, well, Russell doesn't want to hear this side of the argument. Like, he only wants this side. Like, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's all about being informed and being able to come up with your own assumptions. And if it's uh, feeding you information that you just want to hear, that serves serves uh, no purpose and being able to educate yourself. So it'll be interesting to see the kind of the steps and, and the direction a lot of these uh, tech companies go in order to prevent um, a lot of the the same preaching to the choir, as some say. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the other part of it is I hang out on Reddit every now and again. Like there's some subreddits on there I really enjoy. But you do see on the other ones this general sort of thing that if you get enough people together, say ten or 20,000 people, you can game Google search results. Like I've seen them occasionally go, hey, let's get this particular search term and let's make it return this result. And with that many people, you, you can actually do that. Like if you know what you're doing and you know all the Google food that goes behind it. And that's a little bit scary as well. Like I know most of the time it's a prank and it's like ha-ha funny, but... I think recently maybe we've seen some people use that to, I don't know if you call it malicious, but, you know, more sort of targeted ends that aren't like, isn't this a funny joke? It's more like, let's try and influence the outcome or something. Well, one thing that is good about AI and, uh, you know, being really smart with the stuff that you do is introducing the new Google Play Music. Uh, There is a new Google Play Music, which is supposed to be like 100 times smarter. No, that's not actually a a fact. (laughs) One million million times smarter. Uh, The whole thing is like based around the fact that it is going to be able to understand uh, potentially like what kind of mood you're in, what time of day it is, what's the weather, and being able to give you information uh, based on that and being able to use the artificial uh, intelligence to do that. And, you know, so Google has already kind of been doing this in terms of they had their uh, what do they call it the, that section where you could see hey it's uh you know it's mid- yeah, it's, it's midnight what do you it's Monday or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah or you know maybe it was looking at my uh, search results and it's like hey it's Tuesday night you've been crying would you like some sad music <laughs> here uh, but now yes but not, now they know that you're crying now. at home they've asked for I, I opened it and it's like hey I want your location information I'm like what. And then I read the article. I'm like, oh, it makes a lot of sense. Like they want to know when you're at work, when you're crying on the couch at home, when you're in the cupboard, I suppose. And, you know, just those sort of and things. So the, I, I'm super excited to test this out. And, of course, in Google fashion, I do not have it. But, Russell, you have it. Although I don't think you're technically supposed to have Google Play Music in Australia, right? <laughs> oh, low blow, Yasmin. <laughs> this is, I'm just going to ask Google Play Music to talk to me. But Here we go. It... <laughs> oh, the volume's down all the way. That one. That's the song I thought I wanted to listen to at this particular time in this particular place. I do have the update, Yasmin. It's, we're allowed to have Google Play Music in Australia. We're not allowed to have the podcasting section because apparently we're not, ah, we're not good sorry, enough for that. Sorry, sorry. I, I will say it's, it's kind of interesting. So one new feature that it does is it tries to do um, ahead-of-time offline caching. So I went into my download section and I noticed it's cached about 500 megabytes worth of songs. 
And there's some songs that we listened to in the car trip on the way to Melbourne recently when we went. There's some songs that my kids keep getting me to play. There's a few songs I've played here at work and they're all in that offline section, which I didn't even know about, to be honest. And whether it cased some of those over, you know, 3G or not, I'm not really sure. But it it is cool to see it kind of try to predict like, hey, these are the kind of things Russell might listen to. Um, these are the kind of things we're going to cache. That that was interesting. The other interesting thing that you're really not going to be able to see on a on a Skype camera is that some of the design, especially because you know how those focusing while working, uh, chilling out while at home, road trip things have a color that go with them. I'm looking at this weird sort of tinge of teal right at the top of my thing, and then right below it, you have these you know stylized photos that have got like uh, a fade out and colors over the top of them. I don't want to, I'm not a designer. I know I shouldn't criticize, but some of these things together just look, I don't know, a little bit odd to me. Hmm. It's, uh, it kind of reminds me of the new Apple Music design. Uh, a little bit in that you've got, I guess, a little bit just with the big headings and like and the, the, the squares and stuff. and stuff. It is still very, I guess, googly how when you click on one, googly. you get the little material design sort of cards that, that go up. I mean, the, the actual functionality, I haven't, I've only, you know, had this for a day, literally installed this morning, but it it seems like it's solid. I mean, it seems to be picking things that, that I'd be interested in. Interested in. I, one thing I do want to know is now that it has my location, like is it going to start suggesting different things, you know, when I'm at work versus when I'm at home? So, yeah, that, that'll be something interesting to test out. Yeah, that's – I'm super, super interested in the whole like being able to get your music because my favorite thing about Google Play Music is that I'm feeling lucky button – I just, I'm not the type of person that's like, I really want to listen to this song. I just want something to start playing. And then I keep on hitting, uh, you know, I'm feeling lucky over and over again if I'm not, if it's not providing my lucky results as, you know, the one I want. Well, this is an interesting thing, Yasmin. This is live reporting on the scene. I can't find that button. It's, I'm sure it's somewhere in this interface. Ah, it's right down the bottom. So look at this. Okay. I'm scrolling. Okay. I'm okay. scrolling. I'm scro- right down the bottom is a purple section that says, I'm feeling lucky. We're gonna uh, we're gonna press this and see what happens, isn't it? It's probably gonna be Minecraft songs. It's gonna play Taylor Swift. I uh, know Minecraft. I bet you ahead of time. Let's see. What do we got? Uh, Hurricane is that by your MSMR. Is that I don't know what this is. You don't know this song? Oh, no, should it? I? It's a good song. I should probably press pause before we get uh, copyright sued or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking. I'm I'm excited for it when it finally comes. It'll probably come tomorrow again, you know, after we record it. <laughs> Google knows. But uh, FYI, on the old app, you can always uh, cache music while it streams. And so that's why I was really confused on what this new feature that they were talking about. But it appears that the new feature, it says, when you subscribe, you'll always be prepped with an offline playlist based on what you listened to recently. So uh, before, I'm assuming it means before you had to have listened to the song and then it automatically uh, caches it so that you can listen to it later without it using your data, which was one of the reasons why I switched to Google Play Music if you're using it in the car. Um, but another one is now that it looks like it's going to create its own offline playlist, even if you haven't listened to it. I'm not exactly 100% sure how that works. Yeah, so I can tell you it creates one called Cached Music. So if you go to the the drawer pull-out thing and you say data and it only, you'll see there's now a, a filter that's been created called Cached Music and all the songs that it's sort of cached for offline listening are in there. The interesting thing about this is there's some songs in here that I don't think I've ever listened to. Yeah, I'm seeing it here at Cached Music While Streaming. 
Yeah, that's uh, for for the old uh, one. No, so this doesn't say while streaming. This just says case music. And there's some things in here that I definitely, I don't think I've ever listened to. It's like this seems to be similar to some of the things you're interested in. Potentially this will appear on some of those automatic, you know, playlists that they do. So, for example, I played two songs today. I accidentally cleared my cache before when I was trying to research this feature. I had 500 meg worth of songs. Um, And since I've only played these two songs, I now have about... 25 different songs cached in here just from playing two different bits of music. And I think it knows... That's cool. I'm hoping it knows I'm on yeah. Wi-Fi. I'm assuming that's why it did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, last last question. Does it still have the Dorito icon? The what? The Dorito? It looks like a... Do you know what a Dorito is? Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I understand. Can I, can I have a quick... Five second rant about this. Um, yes, I was, all, I was all with them when they transferred everything to a triangle icon. I'm like, okay, that's on brand. I'm cool with that. Um, now that I have the pixel and everything is circular icons, I'm not fully on board with taking those triangles and putting them on white circles. Like on your home screen, I don't know. There's something. Yep. yep. I just do not it's like the It's a Dorito on a platter. Dorito on a platter. Just needs a little bit of sauce. That's, you can, yeah, maybe. That's that's. I don't want to get into a rant about icon sizes, but um, that was probably one of my biggest pet peeves when I got the Pixel. Not only did I go from the 6P to the smaller Pixel, so everything already looked tiny, but the icons look even tinier because they're like, hey, let's just go put a white circle around all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, you can't do that because then you're, although your icon sizes are technically the same, it doesn't look that way to the eye because you have all this other white space while some other ones take up. You know what? I'm not going to get upset about this, but um, oh, there, yes, there's one my, other icon on here, Yasmin, that might really interest you. Uh, I downloaded and installed a new app this morning called PhotoScan, and they have this beautiful <gasps> um, kind of Polaroid-looking icon that they've shrunk down really teeny tiny and stuck on a white <laughs> circle. I'm like, what is that? Yes, I downloaded Foodie, foodie Scan. Fo- foodie Scan? Foodie Scan. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys tried it yet? Yeah, so so I actually just uh, downloaded uh, before we hit uh, record, and there is a new app out there that uh, Google released called PhotoScan, um, and essentially what it does is allows you to take a picture of your old prints. So, you know, um, if you're anything like my family, my mom is obsessed with photos and so eventually at one point in my adult life she just gave me this whole like giant uh binder what are those call those things anymore so i don't even know what they're called put the photos in there it's a album album. yes (laughs) it's like the digital kind only (laughs) more tactile (laughs) and you can get it to animate if you Uh, flick it really fast yasmin just flick it really fast I was like, what is this thing? And she gave me the album and she's like, this is your entire life. It is in your hands now. Do what you wish. Enjoy right? all five photos um, that are in there because this is all we could afford my... back then. Oh, wait, that's my family. And, so that, oh. <laughs> and I, now I can actually scan these all in with my photo app, or it's called PhotoScan um, app by Google. And the cool thing is... See, the issue has always been uh, with photos, like when you get the, you have these usually has like a gloss to them and you could scan it. And in some instances, if you had a bad scanner, it would be this reflection and then it, it just the photo wouldn't look that good. And if you just try to take a regular picture of a analog photo, it would just sometimes get the reflection. So Google using its amazing machine learning power has come up with a solution. Uh, so that's actually pretty cool. I downloaded it and used it. And essentially what it does, it takes a picture 
picture with flash of the the picture that you actually want to scan and then it allows you to it asks you to move it almost like if you were creating a photo sphere you know where it gives you go to this dot all right go to the next dot and you move it all around until the screen you know the dot lines up to the other dot and then it creates a photo and it uses uh, machine learning and it's actually this amazing video from nat and low um, that we'll put in the show notes that explains the whole process of how it uses it and so they were saying that one of the things is uh, when you're actually looking like at a at a photo you sometimes see glares, but you're able to kind of remove the glare by moving your head or moving the photo. And so then it removes the glare and you can actually look at it straight on. Well, the issue is that in other apps, when you just try to take a picture with your phone, it doesn't have that capability. But because of the whole um, machine learning in terms of like, hey, if it's really light right here, we understand that this is not, uh, this is uh, where there's a glare. And I, I, you know, Nat and Lowe explain it way better, way better than I do. Uh, but the photo is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's just so clever. This is and one of the things I really liked about it is that it's something that anybody, any app developer could have figured out. Because uh, yes, there's there's a lot of machine learning uh, AI in order to figure out like here's how to enhance this particular photo. But what it's doing is that when you're moving each uh, mo- when you're moving uh, the camera to, uh, to line up each of those four or five different dots, it is taking uh, a LED illuminated photo from each one of those different spots. So it's going to be there's going to be glare and in some cop versions of that photo, there's no glare in some of that. So what you're doing is you're not you're not so much taking pictures as you're collecting data, and the app then crunches that data to build a version of this picture in which there is no glare anywhere. Uh, and the, and uh, it also has other tools where yeah you can uh, it'll automatically enhance it to make sure that's all color balanced and all this sort of stuff. But then you can do things like. Uh, it won't necessarily if there there I've been I did like two or three different photos uh, in the time that I've had it, and um, it sometimes looks like it will try to make your square photo into a proper square. Uh, but if you can't, you can just simply on the next page after you do the capture, just drag the four corners of a rectangle to fit the corners of this picture. And then it will, if you, if you had the camera at an angle, uh, it'll work, uh, it'll work just fine. Uh, I didn't have, I tried it on uh, as luck would have it. I happen to have the, uh, uh, I don't the, one of the party favors or bookmarks from a, uh, my, one of my niece's weddings, <laughs> That had like the child Aww. photos, like the wallet-sized photos of them, like laminated into it. Those were a little <laughs> bit too small to scan properly because there was still some glare on it. So I went into like the complimentary, you know, here's all the expensive restaurants that we're hoping that you'll try to go to. <laughs> and so here's, well, you know, here's this old-timey picture of a couple of people that I'm now going to pretend are my aunts or my, my, my mom holding it with her sister because it went into my phone like really, really beautifully uh, as though I'd scanned it directly. Um, and the, the, the other nice thing is that it really is designed for just workflow, workflow, workflow. It's not like launch the app, take the picture, enhance, and great. It's more like it will just basically great next, great next, great next, great next, and then when you when you've done this, you've got this envelope of photos you've already processed. You see this light board of here are all the pictures that you've imported. Now do you want to upload them to Google Photos? And boom, in one shot, uh, it will take care of all of them. Uh, the only thing I will say is that uh, if you are looking for, they're great for snapshots. The only bad thing is that. 
It's certainly not going to capture them at the same resolution that a scanner would. Uh, this picture, I can, if you just do, you know, squeezing and, and stretching to zoom in as tightly as you can, I can already see there isn't quite as much detail in this captured version as there was in the printed version. I don't think that's a deal breaker uh, because obviously if it's your mom and dad's wedding photo, you're probably not going to use a free app from Google to, to capture it. You're probably going to want to at least, you know, put in, put in some effort to make it archival. And also when you get down to it, most of your family photos that your grandparents and your great grandparents took, they're taken on this like hunt Kodak Instamatic cartridge film or this tiny little Polaroid film. There is, <laughs> there is not enough resolution in that picture that it's not going to suddenly be a 4k picture it's, it's still always going to be like maybe two megapixels of information at most so i don't think i don't think that's a big deal but just the idea that it will stop all of those fights saying hey how come how come you wound up with that picture of mom and dad at the go-karts i wanted the picture of mom and dad at the go-karts you can just look at, at during thanksgiving I have this picture loaded in, excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, like sneak into the living room, just break it out of the frame. <laughs> It'll take you all of like 20 seconds to copy it, put it back in the frame, wipe up off the fingerprints, and you can just have the moral high ground. <laughs> uh, just no one tell my mom that this app exists because I know what <laughs> she will be making me do over the holidays. <laughs> but it, hey, look, mom, I gave you that Moto X, you know, you can try the amazing camera that that thing came with it's totally the best and yasmin doesn't need to do it for you i don't think you're creative (laughs) enough and you're worrying i think that you you should worry as about you know i we i have this dozens and dozens of photos of little naked yasmin running across the the yard in her clown makeup and i was it's so adorable i want to put it on facebook so that all of her friends and my friends (laughs) can see it (laughs) Uh, my yeah, no no we're not <laughs> doing this. i think my my mom will like she every time we're on vacation family vacation she's like send me a picture and i was like mom i don't want to send you a picture because i know that you really just want to put it on facebook and then tell me all about the comments that you're getting on there <laughs> you'll never guess what aunt mary said i'm like no we'll never exactly. guess exactly <laughs> oh what did aunt mary I, said i i did find one other picture on the internet andy and this thing is amazing. It looks like it came out of a real, uh, I don't know, like it was sewn onto a shirt maybe or it's like the a, a cover of a book. And it has on the front here, I'm just going to read what this picture says. It says, Almanac with Andy Inartico. <laughs> and I'm like, that is the best artwork ever, Andy. I don't know how long that took someone to craft, but I'm just, yeah, just the detail in it is, is amazing. So what what is this thing that is on my phone, Andy? Oh, Russell, you're embarrassing me. I didn't want to talk about it. That's why I put the note in the show notes that I'd like to plug my new relay.fm podcast. Yes, it's it's, it's called Almanac. It is a podcast. What? We are doing a podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're having such so much fun with Relay that I had this idea for a new show, and uh, and the folks at Relay said we haven't lost that much money in putting our faith in you. So okay, it's, it's, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, it's it's uh, hosted by me and with a rotating uh, cast of guests. And sometimes, as with I picked a really good first week to launch the show because mm-hmm. we we uh, uh, Mike and I heard decided okay we'll we'll launch on uh, Wednesday. And Mike is from London, so he has an excuse for not 
realizing that was going to be the day after election day. I have no excuse. Uh, and so I imagine that it's, it's 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning. I have not been watching election results because I've been working on a project like all night long. I have not even been dipping into Twitter. And so, OK, great. So all I got to do is uh, is record like a quick outro and do some quick editing and I can post this. And so, I oh, but first I'll just dip, I'll just dip into Twitter. Oh, God. so as a result i kind of threw out what i had already already prepared and so for the first episode you will see me just talking into a microphone for an hour mere minutes after learning the results of the election uh the next episode which we'll post in a day or two is going to be hopefully a little bit more structured than that uh but really happy with it uh obviously we're only on two episodes so we you're gonna have to give me a few shows to really figure out what uh, for uh, to see what this is about but uh it's something that i've been i think i've been building up to for a few years as i've been learning how to do podcasts and uh, i'm really happy with the amount of work i'm doing on this and what's coming out so thank you for plugging it you can go to relay.fm slash almanac and uh, yes and definitely if nothing else check out the logo oh my goodness it is yes. such a great logo it was and, almost and if the it's only so way Andy. it is perfect. so Andy. and if the only way to see the logo is to subscribe to the podcast then what's what's wrong with that people just search for it subscribe yeah, there you go. yeah. Did you know that you can even find a Pocket Cast link? There's a button there that you can, uh, and it would open Ooh, it up in Pocket oh, Cast. Oh, I think we have this. Let me just check this before I put it out in the air, Andy. Yes, it is live. PCA.st slash almanac Yay. is where you can find Ooh, Andy's show in Pocket Cast. There is also an iTunes and an RSS button if you happen to use, I won't say an inferior app. You just have a different choice of app to, to what I do. <laughs> oh, Thank you for giving me the so- Pocket Cast bump. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well congrats andy i'm uh, i'm eager to listen to uh you know the episodes as they come maybe one that wasn't right after uh right after the election results <laughs> but russell it's your birthday we want to say happy birthday and yay russell yes i went so, i won't say that a few people yasmin wished me a happy birthday yesterday when it wasn't my birthday but today it actually is yeah uh, time zones are hard time zones are hard so i'll just say a quick joke that i wrote down on russell's birthday but then i couldn't remember if it was my date or his date because i didn't know if i wrote it like a day before so that i could actually wish him a happy birthday on his actual birthday anyways time zones are hard right time zones are hard all right everyone want to thank everyone for listening and um Andy, where can people find you and connect with you online? As usual, I just spell my last name. I'm Anatko on Twitter, Anatko on Instagram, uh, and uh, my blog is at anatko.com, and go to suntimes.com for my stuff on the Chicago Sun-Times. And Russell, where can uh, people find you and connect with you online? Maybe wish you a happy birthday? Yeah, you can find me at Rusty Shelf on Twitter, and I'll give you a pro Twitter searchy tip if you're using the web version. Uh, you can go to the, the search thing. You type in someone's uh, username and you type in something like the words happy birthday and then you'll know exactly when their birthday is because you can see all their friends, you know, wishing them happy birthday. And then you can look like a true online stalker. You can be like, ah, 15th of January, I knew that. And they'll be like, <gasps> and you can freak them out for a few <laughs> seconds until they realize it's, it's just public information. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. You know? <laughs> I didn't have it on my calendar. Just got to get the time zones can- right. That's all. Yeah, just time zones are hard. And I'm at Yasmin Evian on Twitter. And you can find us on the web at Amaterial Podcast. Send us feedback at materialpodcast at gmail.com and also on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. Okay, Google, time to go. Stay in material, listeners.
Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be very disappointed if a couple of months from now, like I get my payment for my share of the revenue and we find that now the revenues are being split four ways and you've decided that this is a co-host and you're entitled you know, to now 50% of what this show makes. Listen, I am an advocate for everyone. I think everyone deserves equal pay, including Google Home. And I think Google Home is doing an excellent job. So, I mean, really, Andy, are you going to say that you are against equal equality uh, in, in paying people? No, and I, I think I, I think that uh, you know, I, come, come to mention it. I, I, I think that uh, the, the show is underrepresented by the uh, by the uh, the sock puppet community. And so I'd like to introduce you to uh, the new co-host. Hey, look. It's Neil Nugget. Say hello to the nice folks, Neil Nugget. Hello, to the nice folks, Neil Nugget. Now, what do you and if think? You can't see it right now. That, that the, Andy uh, literally has found a sock and started doing a sock puppet show. Uh, so I've got opinions, you know, and I'm entitled to share them with you, all the listeners. Yay! This is going to get split so many ways. I have with me Mr. Phone. Hello, now we get to Mr. split everything five ways. Yay! Now we have six cohorts. <laughs> I speak like this. <laughs> 